Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in me. Stories set the tables around which we live our lives. My name is Mike Roth, and this is Story and Table, a personal and academic exploration of Christian ideologies and the systems that these ideologies sustain. Stories set the tables around which we live our lives. I'd like to say that again. Stories set the tables around which we live our lives. Now, when I say table, I have in mind all of the places that we regularly spend our time. Like, there's a literal kitchen table around which we share meals and conversations with friends and loved ones. There's an occupational table around which we work and labor to create or produce or manage. There's a recreational table around which we rest and play. There's a political table around which we vote and march and endlessly discuss. There are so many tables. And I want to mention one more. For some, there's a religious table around which we gather and hope and become. Tables are the places around which we live out our lives. But you see, these tables don't just exist. They aren't ex nihilo, out of nothing. These, these tables are nurtured and shaped. Yes, certainly shaped by environment and experience and personality and temperament, but perhaps most deeply shaped by story. For we humans have religious stories about God, the ground of our being. And we have political stories about what makes life together work. And we have recreational stories about what's fun and enjoyable, and we have occupational stories about what's meaningful or worthwhile or a good fit for our lives. And we have communal stories about gathering and eating and talking. And it's these stories you see. It's these religious, political, recreational, occupational, and communal stories, more than many of us realize, that set, that give shape to the tables around which we live out our lives. For example, growing up, I was told a story about Thanksgiving during which the pilgrims and indigenous peoples shared a meal together. This story made me feel real good about being a citizen of the United States, and it inspired gratitude on an annual basis. It was a pretty powerful story in my life until I began hearing and reading about other more historical stories regarding colonialism. And those stories made me feel sad, remorseful, ashamed, mad. In fact, those stories have altered the way that I think about and go about this holiday that we call Thanksgiving. And here's another example of the power of story. When I was very young, probably three or four, maybe five, my sweet Sunday school teacher used the flannel graph. <laughs> Anyone remember the flannel graph? My sweet Sunday school teacher used the flannel graph, as she did every Sunday, to teach us something about God. And on the particular Sunday that I have in mind, she placed flames at the bottom. And she laid a couple of the pretend kids over the flames, like marshmallows on a rotisserie. And she went on to tell us a story about how we'd go into the flames forever if we didn't ask Jesus into our hearts. Needless to say, that story deeply impacted my life. For many years, it became a lens through which I thought about God. It shaped my convictions about what was important. It caused me to worry a lot about friends and family members who didn't go to church. And I had many scary and sleepless nights as a result of that story. I could go on. 
but it would be redundant. Simply put, stories set the tables around which we live our lives. And for religious people, Christian people in particular, we've been told stories about God and humans and the meaning of it all, which deeply impacts our understanding of well, everything, right? If, if we're being honest, I mean, for Christians, our religious stories extend out well beyond religious environments, giving shape to all of our tables, political, recreational, occupational, and communal. And so you see these stories, these Christian stories about God and humans and the meaning of it all are significant so significant that today many Western Protestant Christian stories about God and humans and the meaning of it all are necessarily beginning to crack and fall apart. Because many of us are beginning to notice that the Christian stories that we've been told are grounded in incoherent truths. Air quote around the word truths here. Many of us are beginning to notice that our Christian stories are grounded in incoherent truths. Dogma that fosters violence and faith that is animated by fear. And so rather than remain Christian, many people are necessarily walking away from Christianity. And in my mind, that's a reasonable response to just leave it all behind. But then it makes me wonder, can a person just leave old stories behind? I'm not sure that it's possible. In Plato's Republic, we read these wise words about the power of stories. Anything received into the mind at that age, the age of a child, is likely to become indelible and unalterable. And therefore, it is important that the tales which the young first hear should be models of virtuous thought. But here's the thing. What if the tales told to us were not models of virtuous thought? Like, what if the tales told to us were incoherent or violent or grounded in fear? Are they indelible and unalterable, especially if a person has been swimming in a particular pool of stories for the majority of their life? Thankfully, no. We do have options. One option is for a person to leave Christianity behind, to just walk away. And that's a very sensible option. But here's the thing. To truly be freed from the indelible and unalterable impact of religious stories, it will be important to intentionally formulate other stories, good stories, that over time begin to captivate and replace the deep impressions that were made by the old Christian stories. And some, even many, are beginning to do that important work. But there is another option, and it gets at the soul of this podcast, Story and Table, which is to rethink our Christian stories in order to intentionally set loving tables around which we humans are freed and inspired to flourish. And this, this is the work that I'm passionate about. I've spent the majority of my life in the waters of Christianity, Western, Protestant, Evangelical Christianity in particular. In my earliest years, I attended a Baptist church, and then for many years, my family attended a Plymouth Brethren church. In high school and throughout some of college, I attended an intentionally interracial charismatic church. And then about halfway through seminary, I helped to start a church at the north end of downtown Portland in an industrial-turned-urban neighborhood called the Pearl District, where I've now worked for over two decades. Throughout most of my working years, I've pursued and enjoyed biblical and theological education. I went to Multnomah Bible College and earned a bachelor's in biblical studies. 
I then continued at Multnomah and received a Master of Divinity at its seminary. From there, I earned a Doctor of Ministry degree at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary by focusing on the rhetorical impact that biblical genres have on learning domains. And from there, I earned a PhD at London School of Theology by specializing in the meaning-making and attention-capturing ability of biblical literary figures. All of that to say, I've spent my entire life personally, professionally, and academically in Christian stories and at Christian tables. And there was a point in my life when, like many of you, I thought that I could no longer live my life as a Christian. I was beginning to pick up on the harm. I was beginning to notice the disintegration that my Christian story and table were causing in the world. And I was beginning to feel more and more reticence about the idea of a perfect Bible, exclusion in Jesus' name, and divine wrath. Because of this, I began to despise the violent and dominion aspects of the Christianity that I was a part of, and I nearly walked away. But then there were graces. To use Christian language, I would call them divine moments, during which my pursuit of becoming a theologian opened my mind to the vastness and richness of Christian thought well beyond the walls of Western Protestant evangelicalism. During this time, I became engrossed in the ancient and evolving meaning-making of Christian language, story. And at the same time, I was deep in the land of pastoring an eclectic, urban, highly educated, and inquisitive Christian community in downtown Portland, table. Together, my studies as a theologian and my work as a pastor began to rub off on one another. I began to notice the deep connection between the stories that we tell and the tables around which we live our lives. And in a moment, it was like being born again. I knew that I knew that I knew that I wanted to participate in undoing some of the sorrow by expressing an ancient, evolving, and truly good way of being Christian today. And although I no longer identify as evangelical, I am finding genuine delight in my life as a Christian. With this context in mind, season one of this podcast will set a foundation for stories and tables by exploring some core Christian ideologies such as the gospel, the Bible, salvation, atonement, and the afterlife. I'll begin each episode by summarizing the story that many Western Protestant evangelicals have been told about one of these ideologies, and then I'll take some time to notice the kind of table that this particular story sets. After that, I'll share another story. It'll be a story that many Western Protestant evangelicals haven't heard about, even though the story is ancient and deeply coheres with the way of Jesus. I'll then conclude by taking some time to notice the kind of table that this particular story sets. My hope is that over time, this podcast can help to reorient our Christian tables as we deepen into truly good Christian stories. If this sounds interesting or potentially helpful, I hope you'll take time to listen. And if you come to find that this podcast is helpful, will you talk about it? Maybe even share it with your friends and loved ones? Stories set the tables around which we live our lives. It's my sincere hope that this podcast fills your life with good stories that set loving tables around which you are freed and inspired to flourish. Thanks for listening to Story and Table. If you find this podcast worthwhile, thought-provoking, or encouraging, 
will you share about it with your friends and family? And if you don't already support the work of Pearl Church, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org. Let her be.